growing skills gap, increasing cyber threats, supply chain disruption. Do these sound familiar? It's a tough industry to be in, and we're here to help. I'm your host, Caroline. And I'm your host, Doug. And you're listening to AWS Industrial Insights, the podcast for manufacturing and industrial business leaders who aren't afraid to think big. We interview executives from well-known companies to share their disruptive ideas and topics like leadership, technology, and innovation. So let's get started. Welcome everybody and thank you for joining us today on AWS Industrial Insights. Uh, Now this is the month of October so we have like a really really special four episode plan for you Um, and it's all around the Cybersecurity Awareness Month which is October. So brief little history on this you know every year since 2003 October has been recognized as Cybersecurity Awareness Month. This was an effort brought to life through a collaboration between the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the National Cybersecurity Alliance. So the CSAM was actually created to ensure that every individual stays safe and secure online. So AWS is going to participate in this campaign kind of in our own way with this podcast and provide some educational content around, you know, your biggest questions around industrial security. So with that being said, I'm super excited to have Robert on the show with us. Robert and I actually used to work together at Cisco, and we did events all the time. So Robert, it is such a pleasure to have you on, and can you introduce yourself? Great to see you again, Caroline. Hi, folks. It's Robert Albach uh, with Cisco. I'm responsible for all things threat for the firewall and coordinating industrial security responses for Cisco. Awesome. And if you've never met Robert or you've never read any of his blogs or anything, he knows everything about security. So he can pretty much answer any question and he is the perfect person to be on the podcast with us. And we also have Doug, who's no longer in a loud, noisy hall. Right, Doug? Alrighty. Yep. Got the joy of getting out of Chicago. Great show, but uh, it's always good to be out of there at times as well. (laughs) I get so exhausted after the events too. So, um, Okay, cool. So let's just jump right in. Um, Episode one, we're going to be talking about, you know, the differences between OT and IT and how they respond to security incidents and also, you know, how they value security within the organization. So before we even dive into that, I want to bring up um, some research I found in the global state of industrial cybersecurity from Applied Risk. You know, they did a study, this was independent, it was a global survey of 1,100 IT and OT security professionals who work full-time for enterprises, um, specifically working on critical infrastructure. And the survey was geared around, you know, like understanding how they dealt with security challenges, specifically around resiliency and priorities moving forward. So one one stat I read in this, like I, I just couldn't even believe it. So between 2020 and 2021, 80% of the respondents in the survey said that they experienced an attack with 47% reporting an impact to their OT or industrial control system ICS environment. Robert, would you say that sounds accurate? Um, it's a little surprising. Uh, if someone were to tell me that, say, of manufacturers had been attacked. Um, That would not surprise me. The fact that 47% has said it had impacted their OT environment specifically, that strikes me as a little bit high. So, but, but I find that interesting. Definitely. And, 
You know, over the pandemic, these cyber events have really shed light on the need for comprehensive security along the entire supply chain. Yet, you know, one thing I found in this report that just like really surprised me is that, you know, when asked whether they conduct regular audits of their organization's main suppliers, specifically for the supply chain, the majority of the people that who responded of OT and IT practitioners said that they don't. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, Robert? Like, any ideas why it would be that way? Um, well, I mean, supply chains can be very long. They can be fairly complicated. And to start with, um, all the different suppliers upon suppliers that you have out there, uh, you may not have visibility uh, into who all is participating. Um, it's not at all uncommon that you purchase some set of equipment from vendor A and they in turn outsource, say, the maintenance of it to some other entity. Uh, not at all unusual. So it doesn't surprise me that uh, that is the case. Um, I will note that uh, the United States government, um, starting really with the um, uh, Department of Defense, uh, focusing on the defense industrial base, is trying to get their arms around this particular issue uh, with the CMMC, where they're going to require anyone supplying goods uh, to the uh, defense industry to be able to protect um, confidential information related to those particular orders. And it's supposed to flow down to the sub-suppliers and so forth. But to be honest, it's been very difficult to get the thing fully launched. So that would really kind of point to, well, if the federal government and the Department of Defense can't get their industrial defense base lined up and ready, then it doesn't surprise me that just standard manufacturers everywhere can't either. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, one thing I think of, too, is that a lot of times like these OT and IT practitioners tend to focus primarily on existing technologies that they have, like remote access management and asset management systems or industrial firewalls. Um, but do you think that that limits them from adopting some of the newer or future technologies? Do you think that that like holds them back? I just wonder if it's, you know, like a fear of moving forward. Um, there, there's a lot of inertia, but different rates of inertia. So in the IT world, we're used to swapping out our primary workstation, our laptop. Uh, UI and Doug are all on laptops of some form or another every, every three years, more or less. Uh, yet the equipment, which is you know, physically encased, potentially in concrete or whatever the case might be within an industrial environment, has a longevity which is multiples longer. Um, there are uh, economic slash accounting reasons as to why you don't necessarily hope it's paid for, it's pure profit, whatever the case might be. But I think some of these scenarios are such, it's, it's part of one of the impedance I think we have between a IT world, which is used to a much faster obsolescence slash update rate uh, for technologies, whereas in the OT side, it's, oh, it works, it's fine, it's simple, leave it alone. Um, I think these, frankly, drive some, um, the deltas with regards to adoption rates and in turn 
has some impacts with regards to security. Robert, I think that brings up a good point around the differences between IT and OT and what you're, what you're seeing from a security difference. You mentioned right there obsolescence. You mentioned right there obsolescence and how those different spans of time or not having to update with the latest feature packs and everything when you're in the OT department. What are a few other ones that you see as well? So there's often a technology stack that is dependent um, to drive the factory itself. Uh, there's technology stacks on which the equipment, which performs the kinetic uh, tasks uh, necessary to create goods, um, they, those can be on, say, different life cycles. Um, the top of the factory is largely driven by a Microsoft technology stack. Um, our good friends at Rockwell have Factory Talk. It, it's all Microsoft. Uh, Siemens with WinCC, it's overwhelmingly Microsoft and such. And so in those cases, uh, they are at a slightly faster pace than, you know, Mary's metal mangler, uh, which is on, on the factory floor. Um, and Mary is not necessarily incented uh, to constantly keep pace and update the equipment because, frankly, Mary's metal mangler is working just great. Um, and so you'll get a, a lot of the if it's not broke, don't fix it. And the other element of that is we need metals, Mary, Mary's metal mangler um, working 24 seven. Uh, it's a critical part of our process. We are not going to meet our production rate goals if we're taking Mary's um, machine offline. Whereas that machine could probably work pretty well on its own. Whereas all of the connectivity that we have with this Microsoft technology stack up there we're used to making changes much more rapidly. Uh, so this is just one of those, again, impedance mismatches between the rate of changes in technology at one level in the factory itself um, versus another level down below. And every change represents a risk to that operational state. So the less changes I make, the more I reduce my risk, the more I reduce my risk, the more likely that I am to meet my operational metrics, which is how much am I producing? Um, what's the quality? Uh, what's the resource consumption rate? And so forth. And I think that's what makes this problem so hard. You know, like you brought up a really good point. And what I'm hearing is that OT is incentivized to keep everything running. You know, their jobs are dependent on that production. IT, on the other hand, is, you know, prioritized and incentivized to make updates to protect the systems and the data. And it's like those those incentives completely contradict each other. So can you give us, like, shed some light on this a little bit? Like, is there light at the end of the tunnel? You know, how, how in the world are you supposed to balance these differences and kind of put everybody on the same team? Well, I, I think everybody's on the same team to a large extent, but uh, the team might not necessarily um, agree on, you know, what's the best approach and for them. I mean, a, a lot of what um, our IT departments are doing is that they're providing services um, to a whole set of departments uh, within the broader business. I've got a sales department, I've got accounting, I've got finance, I've got marketing, I've got HR, and I've got all sorts of folks um, who we've been trying to get everything connected as much as possible and we want to keep pace 
uh, you know, with the latest and greatest so that uh, everyone can um, optimize as much as possible with all these wonderful new technologies in play. Fantastic. That is usually a fairly low risk perspective uh, in terms of doing things. When we get down to the factory space, again, we've got things which are working perfectly fine. I don't need to necessarily update and rip and replace all that equipment every three years. In fact, doing so uh, increases that risk. It increases the probability of us having to interrupt flows and such. And so this is the mindset that's at play is, you know, my, I'm operating at a certain level of productivity that is all about tiny little optimizations while we're thinking in the IT side that we're going to make, you know, significant leaps with this new upgrade to the software package and whatever. Um, it's the fact that that manufacturing group stands out as being the exception. And we have to let the IT folks know is that when we're there to uh, connect things, we're going to do it because it's going to help. We're going to do it a little bit differently. Similarly, from the security perspective, yep, we're going to do many of the same kinds of steps, but we're going to do it a little bit differently. Keeping in mind probably what I would say is the one significant differentiation, and that's safety. If I go and make changes and updates to whatever systems the HR department is using or sales accessing Salesforce or something like that, um, yeah, someone might say, oh, this is painful because, oh gosh, the performance is slow or connectivity is spotty or something like that, but nobody's getting hurt. On the factory floor, the potential that change may introduce in increasing the risk to the safety of the workers is very real. And if there's any one thing that really differentiates is the fact that the kinetic impacts may have, uh, may introduce physical harm to the people whom we have working in that environment. And I, th I think that's a big important thing that people need to look at is that risk tolerance level and, the, and the, the, the capabilities of when they're looking at those and trying to assess where should we update, where do we need to make these changes? And it's, it's just probably not just security, but it's across the board when they're, when they're making any type of change in that shop floor that is a key area. And, and safety is the number one thing when the OT departments versus uptime. And I think, I think that's a, a big note to, for people to take take off from this. Yeah, I, I just, I, mean, I I've, my, my father-in-law ran a, um, a refinery, a chemical clamp, really. Um, and he'd always talk about, you know, the, the pressures that he had to, to meet certain production goals and such, and the problems that might arise if the quality of a certain batch uh, that went to a, a customer didn't meet. And, you know, the problems, he had to fly to Japan and and apologize to somebody, you know, personally to say, um, you know, gee, we're sorry we didn't meet that goal and we didn't meet the standards that uh, you're used to. Uh, that was one thing. But he also told the story of what happened when somebody died in an industrial accident at his site and the uh, very, very different, you know, look in his face and in his eyes, you know, in talking about these things. So um, it, it's, it's very real. It's out there. 
Um, that was a period where there wasn't a whole lot of connectivity between the equipment. And now things are connected. Now there's a significantly greater chance that accidents could come from environments that are additional to what was existed, say, 20 years ago. Someone makes a mistake. What should be perhaps 50 kilopascals becomes 500 kilopascals. And if that gets entered into um, a particular control system, it could have um, truly some devastating, um, some, uh, devastating impacts. Thank you for tuning in to AWS Industrial Insights. If you want to learn more about today's episode, head over to the blog for a list of featured resources on this topic. You can also find today's blog in the episode description and also on our website at aws.amazon.com slash industrial slash podcast.